0: Good morning, Wisconsin. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the Old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank.
1: Get old. Now here's your hosts, Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. And thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday edition, Sandy is alongside. We are doing a special edition of Political Power Hour today because yesterday afternoon, a historic indictment against the President of the United States. Four counts, including
2: conspiracy... The former President of the United States. Former President, yes.
1: Conspiracy to obstruct and obstructing an official proceeding. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. Conspiracy to violate the right to vote. Joining us on the phone today, Democratic strategist Joseph Pecky and on the Republican side of things, Bill McCosh. And you them from the Political Power Hour on Friday... Bill, since he's in our party, I'm going to ask, start with you. Your immediate reaction to what happened yesterday.
3: Well, I, you know, I'm troubled by the whole thing. Uh, you know, this is, I don't think it's the strongest indictment. I expected uh, Jack Smith to actually come with, you know, potentially incitement charges, which would have been more problematic for the former president. These are, appear to be penalizing speech and his thoughts, what he, what he said, which I think all of us have agreed is, is, is false. I mean, there was a period of time. Let's go through the timeline. After the election, I gave Trump the benefit of the doubt. I think a lot of Republicans did. He had recounts, including in the state of Wisconsin and Dane County and Milwaukee County. Those were those failed. Uh, It didn't change any votes. We had uh, whether it was the Legislative Audit Bureau or the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. You're going to have Rick Eisenberg on next. They did a thorough audit of the Wisconsin election and found that there was no fraud. Right, you know, there were some irregularities. There was no fraud. That was the same in Arizona, same in Georgia. So by the time the the electors were uh, certified in December across the country, I think this was over. It wasn't over for Trump, but it was over from a legal standpoint. And. You know, I, did he continue to say he won? Does he say that today? Yes. But so does Stacey Abramson, a former gubernatorial candidate in Georgia. Hillary Clinton still says she won in 2016. Kerry Lake still running around the country grifting, saying she won Arizona. So I, I don't know that you can penalize speech. This is a First Amendment problem, I think, for Jack Smith. And and I'm not sure these are the most difficult charges for Trump. But my bigger concern is a political one, to be honest with you, as somebody who wants to move on to, to a younger generation, a new generation of leaders, somebody who's actually more conservative than Trump is. Uh, this actually helps Trump. It doesn't hurt Trump in the GOP primary. So my biggest concern, frankly, is from the political standpoint, not from the legal standpoint.
1: Real quick on that speech issue, I spent a lot of time last night reading and watching a lot of really smart legal experts break that one down. and And you can say, you can you can say anything really. You can other than threatening violence, you can lie about anything and be protected by free speech. But when you take direct actions based on that free speech bill. That's a different story. That's where I think the special counsel, Jack Clark, made the case. This is an act. These are actions based on that free speech. I think that's the distinction. Well,
3: he failed at those, right? So he—I mean, he was well, that's like you, that's like saying you, f-
1: you failed to rob a bank. You still robbed the bank, and you don't get off
2: uh, because you well, failed to rob we're the bank.
3: See. He's going to have to prove Jack Smith is going to have to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. And, you know, truthfully, if I'm Trump's legal team, I'm looking forward to hearing Rick Essenberg's opinion on the legal aspects of this. But I'm asking for a different venue. I don't think Trump can be fairly charged in the District of Columbia. Uh, I, I just don't think there's anything that remotely resembles a jury of his peers there. So. Uh, you know, I think the first thing would be a change of venue if it's not uh, to have the charges dismissed.
1: All right, you, Joe, you heard what Bill said. You also probably watched some of this and listened to some of the commentary last night. From the Democratic point of view, strategist that you are, what do you think?
0: Well, I, I got to be honest. I, I'm having a hard time looking at it from a Democratic strategist point of view. Uh, before I'm a Democratic strategist, I'm an American. And I view this as incredibly important in the history of our country. And so if we just take a step back for a second, for almost 250 years, we have said that part of what makes America great is that nobody is above the law, but we've never really tested that proposition. And so as a 247-year-old country, we're about to find out if we really are a place where no one is above the law. The the former president, as is laid out in the indictment, was part of a conspiracy to prevent a peaceful transition of power. And to Bill's point about it's just speech, it is not just speech when, as they lay out, they were lying to the fake electors. They were falsely representing that these would only be used if the lawsuits were successful. This sure looks like a conspiracy It is, in my view, a grave affront against the United States of America for someone who loses an election to try to remain in power. And what I really hope is that we don't go right to the politics of this, is that we actually take a step back and go, this is an important case not just because of who's involved, but because of what it's going to say about our country. And I hope that we listen to people in the weeks and months ahead who first understand the gravity of this. No one should feel happy today. I'm not happy as an American that an American president has been charged. No, anybody like expressing glee or joy can sit down and shut the hell up. This should never have happened. And now we're going to find out some things about our country.
1: Bill McCotch and Joseph Pecky joining us in a special edition edition of the Political Power Hour, along with Sandy. And yours truly. So, so gentlemen, you know we're, we're talking about a president who really has done things that no other president has done before, in my opinion, who has challenged the legality of elections. The accuracy of elections over and over again, both in public and in private, apparently, if you if you look at what the uh, special counsel has turned up, especially with his conversations with Vice President Mike Pence, Bill, as a Republican, just look short term. I, I, I put this in some of our show notes. This, to me, suggests that those people who support Donald Trump have supported him, have voted for him. They feel as strongly as ever. I had a conversation away from the show last night. The first per- first person I talked to about this, because he asked about politics in the show, said, "Well, what about Joe Biden? What about Hunter Biden? What's when's that investigation going to happen? Happen?" That's the reality of those of us who talk about politics, who live in the world of politics, and frankly, any voter nowadays seems to be tuned in and all this stuff. That's the reality we face. This actually empowers Donald Trump's candidacy, at least for the nomination.
3: It sucks all the oxygen out of the GOP primary. He's the only one getting attention, and it'll be that way all the way up until the debate. None of the other candidates are going to be able to get any oxygen until August 23rd in Milwaukee, and if Trump shows up that night, they'll get none still. So, I I mean, this all but assures him the nomination, which is not what I want. I I want a fresh face. I want some new blood uh, as the leader of the Republican Party. All of it's very troubling to me. I, you know, again... I think after December 14th, which was the date of certification, this was over from a legal standpoint, in my opinion. I think Trump should have been gracious at that point. I think he, he is clearly winning the GOP primary by 30 to 40 points, depending on what poll you look at. I think he'd be beating Joe Biden by 10 points today had he left graciously and not demanded that the vice president do what he did or or try to do something that he refused to do and frankly I, I said on your show before and i believe it to this day and i'll always believe it mike pence did the right thing i think joseph Pecki is thoughtful as always he and i are americans first partisans second uh it, I, i'm deeply troubled by all of this and part of that troubled nature comes from the fact that his opponent is the guy bringing these charges. I mean, this is like third world stuff. I hope we never see anything like this again in our lifetime. But here we are. And some of it is Trump's making. You know, I I have to say that. And you're going to get, you know, texts and calls probably saying, my on the other side. Well, I'm a Republican first. and, And I think a lot of this is Donald Trump's own making after December 14th all the way until January 20th. He did things that were completely unnecessary and should have been more gracious.
1: We'll get some more reaction from Joseph Pecky. Bill McCosh, we'll take a break. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ Now. We are spending the hour, Sandy and Steve, talking with Bill McCosh Joseph Pecky. They're joining us in the Tri-County Contracting Hotlines. Uh, I'll go back to you, Joe. I-, I like the point that you made about looking that not in necessarily with political filters on or party affiliations, but with... The sense that we're all Americans. The reason I'm spending, we're spending this hour today is that I think this is some, somewhat different. This has a, gra- a gravitas to it that I think is significantly above and beyond what we've seen previously. It comes with the Department of Justice. I am sickened by some of the responses I see some from my Republican elected leaders. I don't understand it. I don't understand this willingness to suck up to a former president who I think has broken the law. Again, innocent until proven guilty, I get all that, but some pretty clear evidence laid out in the, what was it, 45 or 47 page indictment, 78 counts now stacked upon multiple indictments with more to come. As a Democrat, Joe, as an American, when we think about stories like this, that are historic, that are, I guess, something we've never seen before. Take off your political hat if you want to. I mean, it, it 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 should shock us, and yet still today we're getting the same silly partisan nonsense. Have we learned anything?
0: Well, I, I hope so. And I, and and like to, to underscore it, I mean, here's what's different: it's it's not different that former President Trump finds himself in some legal hot water, right? We we've almost become numb to that. But what I will just remind people is. This is the first time of any of the legal problems that he's facing that it is due to his conduct as president of the United States. Right. We've got the, the classified documents. He was a former president. We've got the Eugene Carroll stuff. It was a long time ago. This is this gets to the heart of the authorities and what the, 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 the checks and balances on the president of the United States are. And if a president of the United States does it is, it, is it a crime, right? That's the old Nixon thing. And so what I'm stuck, struck by today is there are some people who are saying nothing. There are some people who are saying, let's watch this process play out. And then there are some people who, as you kind of allude to, are like kind of go into their partisan battle stations, And I just am going to have a really hard time taking those folks seriously because this isn't a game. The the United States of America, our Constitution, the idea of America, of this shining city on a hill, all of that matters way the heck more than whether Democrats or Republicans win the next election. That's what I believe, and that's why I'm trying to be sober and cautious and careful Because you are right. Donald Trump, as an accused defendant, has an extraordinary number of rights at his disposal now. And included in those is a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And I will grant him that, too, while noting these are serious charges and this is a serious test for our country.
2: And, as Steve, you're you're expressing great disappointment at how the reactions have been uh, from Republicans. Uh, Gentlemen, what is your opinion The word impeachment for Biden has already been floated around based on Hunter Biden's trials and tribulations. Will the House attempt a Biden impeachment for retribution for this new Jack Smith indictment?
3: I'll I'll let Bill weigh in on that. Yeah, let's talk about the one Republican who has been very sober about this, and that's Mike Pence. I mean, this this entire episode is probably the reason that he's not even competitive in the GOP primary. primary, There's a certain percentage of Republican voters who view him as a traitor, which is really unfair. I think Mike Pence did the right thing. I think he did the only thing he could legally do on that day. Yet that's probably disqualifying him from being even competitive to say nothing of potentially winning the primary. He is he was very direct yesterday that, you know, he thinks the president was wrong about this and that he should face some consequences. You know, I expect we'll hear similar things from Chris Christie today. But Chris Christie seems to be that bull in a China shop uh, as it relates to Trump. You know, he wants to be the one guy that knocks him out. I, I, I don't see that happening. I mean, all of this from a political standpoint is giving Trump even more oxygen in the GOP primary. And I would, Sandy, separate your question. I think whatever happens with Biden is going to be unrelated to the Trump charges, even though guys like Jim Jordan are clearly close to Trump. So is Kevin McCarthy. I think McCarthy is sober enough that whatever Hunter Biden investigation, where that leads as it relates to the president of the United States, Joe Biden, will take a course based on the fact. And I think Jim Comer is committed to that as well, the congressman who's leading this effort. So I don't think there will be a tit-for-tat, if that was your question. Um, You know, we may get to an impeachment inquiry, and that may or may not happen on or about Labor Day. But, but again, I think that's separate and based on the facts of that particular case. But it's a sad state for America that these are the two guys, that are the front runners for both parties, I mean, we are so much better than this as a nation. I, I think both parties should flush their guy, their top guy and and come in with somebody new and fresh and younger and more vigorous and it, you know but that 's not the course we 're on right now
1: since you guys are two of the smartest political strategists I know, I want to ask you this question: what does it say about the voters who cling to this guy despite all of this noise, all of the nonsense all of the Theatrics, something we've never really seen in recent history. And I get there's been presidents have been slightly odd and weird. But this seems to be so far out of line of the decorum and the presentation that I would expect to see from a president, public or private. Uh, What does it say about the voters, Bill, that they refuse to give up on this? Is it just presumption of innocence or is it more than that?
3: It's more than that. It's the brand he built with them. He, he talked about the forgotten man and woman in the 2016 race, and he identified them, which was sort of odd. I mean, here you had a, a billionaire who grew up with privilege who was was connecting with working people. I mean, he, he had four times more Democrats flip over than Ronald Reagan ever did, the old Reagan Democrats, which my father was back in 1980. Uh, he, he had more working people coming his way. He changed the face of the Republican Party from country clubbers, uh, you know, and C-suite people to working people. And, and uh, frankly, I think, I think that was a good thing. And these people still feel forgotten. They feel still left out. And he represents the one guy fighting for them. So the charges in their mind are there. you know, the system is out to get him because he's looking out for them. It's not, some people will suggest it's about their intelligence. That's baloney. It has nothing to do with that. He represented in their minds, somebody who was fighting for their interest. And that will never go away. I mean, if there's charges in Georgia next week, it's, it'll be the same. His numbers will not go down.
1: I would argue, Bill and Joe, and I'll let Joe speak to what you just said, that it's, it's the hardest thing to do is to admit you're wrong. And, and when you voted for someone like Donald Trump and you see what's happened post-presidency and, frankly, during the presidency, it's hard to admit you're wrong. And I think voters are stubborn. They're loyal, immensely loyal. We often get this posed in the context of, well, who am I going to vote for if it's not Trump? I'm not voting for Joe Biden. Joe, what do we do with that reality?
0: Well, I, I don't have all the answers, but I, I would add two things um, for, for the explanation. I think the first is the information environment in which we live and the way that people consume their news is very different today. And it has created spaces where people can get uh, what you know is borderline or arguably propaganda over and over again, and that stuff works. The second thing is, and, and Bill is exactly right, this is not about anyone's intelligence in my view. I think there is a decades-long frustration felt by people in this country at a system that has grown less and less uh, in touch with how people live, what they expect from their government, and what they want this country to accomplish, and that frustration has eroded trust in institutions. We see that across the board. Most recently, this morning, another all-time low in you know public trust in the Supreme Court, uh, in the news media, in government. Even the military has lost um, you know trust and the confidence of the American people. And in that environment, where you have less trust than ever before, and you have an information environment where, you know, it's, this is not the Nixon era where there's, you know, three nightly newscasts who are going to give it to you straight and three or four important daily newspapers. Um, You've got an environment where people have decided this is their guy and nothing's going to move them off that. And that's, you know, we are, we are going to find out whether that's just problematic or whether it's dangerous. I think on January 6th, we saw it can be dangerous, We're about to find out whether that's still the case, if it's still dangerous, or if people are going to move off of it. And I I will just say this on the politics. I'm not so sure that at some point the dam isn't going to break here. And this is going to start to hurt former president Trump politically. And, And we can presume to know we can state with confidence what we think is going to happen, but we don't have a roadmap here. We've never seen anything like this. And so, you know, I take everything with a truckload of salt.
1: He is Joseph pecky Bill McCoshen joining us in a special edition of the Political Power Hour. Steve and Sandy, we'll take a break here. More of that conversation after this. We've got a few more minutes with our political strategist Joseph pecky on the Democratic side, Bill on the Bill McCoshen on the Republican side, um, gentlemen. There, I got there's so many questions, and we're gonna. The great thing is we're gonna have you in studio at the fair on Friday, both of you. So that'll be that'll be fun. Um, I guess the simple question, Sandy reminded me of this question uh, before the break.
2: Well, we we are just a few weeks away from the Republican presidential debate. The very first one, does this now force him to attend?
3: I don't think
0: it forces him to attend, Sandy. Go ahead, Joe. I just say I, th- I think it makes it more likely, but to me, the the sixty four thousand dollar question and the determining factor was always going to be if one of these came down within forty eight to seventy two hours of the debate. I have a hard time believing he would be able to help himself, and that he would have to go out there. Um, I, so I don't know. I, I think at this point, it's probably a little bit more likely he attends, and you know the the political move in his mind. Maybe I have to stand on this stage and demand fealty from all these other candidates or make sure I beat them and stuff them in a locker, because at this point, he may believe that the only way he gets out of legal trouble is winning the election again. And, and that's, you know, that's where we are. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Bill? I I think it let me give you the flip
3: of that. I think it's less likely he will come because he knows that the Fox News hosts will have to ask each of the candidates about this. They will be forced to take positions about his various indictments and about some of his statements and about whether or not they will pardon him. This debate will be about Trump, whether he's there or not. So why not let them fight it out? And then, uh, you know, if I'm him, I'm I'm. He no longer tweets, but he, you know, he, he does put out st- public statements on true social. I'm critiquing it in real time if I'm him. I, I, I'm not standing on that stage, but I probably I'm considering standing on the stage in California to knock out who's ever left.
1: One of the things I was thinking about last night as I was watching some of this digesting all this, you know, incredible coverage across multi networks, Fox to CNN to everything in between and beyond. Um, is that at some point, I think the only real game changer would be for all of the candidates who are running against the former president, the Ron DeSantis's and some of the other folks who have been pretty critical, Tim Scott's, who say, you know what, this is not something that we can endorse or support. We are not going to publicly criticize our Department of Justice because, frankly, this, this, is too, this is a bridge too far. We are not going to put up. With it. Unless that happens, I don't think anything really changes politically, Bill.
3: I, I agree with you. I mean, there, there was a lane, maybe still is, of 60 percent of GOP primary voters who are open to somebody else. Nobody has filled that lane well yet uh, or close to filling that lane. So, you know, the, the more they get asked to defend Trump and what's their position on Trump and, you know, what about Hunter? It, it, it ultimately is all about somebody other than themselves. And it's it's a, it's a quagmire none of them can get out of as long as this, all of this continues.
1: All right, I want to ask one more question. We'll start with you, Joe. Um, one of the things that uh, is really important is to kind of figure things out from a expert perspective, subject matter expert. But this is guesswork. This is uh, putting your crystal ball, looking at your crystal ball, putting your prognosticator hat on. Where are we a year from now, Joe? Just your best guess. Where are we a year from now with this, with the Democrats, with Congress? Where are we at a year from now?
0: I think the Republican Party is in disarray trying to figure out how they can navigate stopping Mr. Trump from being their nominee. Bill? Hmm. No. I, like, wow. I, I think he's going to win. I think, I think he's going to win the nomination. And then the the timing of this is like by you know by the late spring of next year, he's going to have a ton of delegates and be on a glide path to the nomination. And then the legal troubles are going to get even worse. Then things like plea deals will come into it, you know, will be on the table. And at some point, the Republican Party may have to figure out how can we change who our nominee is.
1: Makes for an interesting convention. Well, Joe, or Bill, rather.
0: It, it does. Uh, let me bring it close, closer to home
3: here in Wisconsin. I think that all of this is impacting a potential candidate against U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin, who's seeking her third term in the United States Senate. This should be a desirable position. She should be considered at least a competitive target for uh, Mitch McConnell. So far, he has shown no interest in the state of Wisconsin. And as of today, there's not a single Republican announced uh, against her. In fact, Congressman Tom Tiffany was the latest to say thanks but no thanks yesterday. So I think the people that are kicking the tires on this are watching whether or not Trump is going to be at the top of the ticket because it does impact their race in the state of Wisconsin. Let's face it, Ron Johnson probably got Trump elected in 2016. He got more votes in the state of Wisconsin than Donald Trump did. Trump didn't have that same benefit in 2020 in the state of Wisconsin and lost by 22,000 votes. So, uh, you know, those two races tend to be tied together. And if, if I'm, you know, thinking about spending 10 or 15 or 20 million of my own money, I got to know whether or not I got a realistic chance. And right now it's an open question.
1: Gentlemen, I appreciate your extra time today. We'll we'll, uh, jump right back into the fray on Friday, live from the Wisconsin State Fair. I'll close with this. Uh, I love this quote. I'm with the former vice president on this one. Mike Pence statement on January 6th, former President Trump demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. Lots of respect for Mike Pence on that statement last night. Gentlemen, we'll pick it up on Friday. Thank you.
3: See you
1: See you. Thanks. All right. A great conversation from our two political strategists, Bill and Joe. That's why we brought him on, because this is a big day. I know, I know there's some people out there who want to just equate this with all the other Trump noise. It's not that. This is historic. Yesterday was an historic indictment against the president.
2: And it certainly has ripple effects and ramifications. So I'm glad uh, that Bill and Joe were able to join us, and uh, we'll see what else develops Today's Wednesday. By the time we yeah, talk with them right. on Friday morning at nine, yes, and uh, we're going to continue the
1: conversation. We're going to look at the legal implications of this indictment. Or, may legal subject matter experts, my friend Rick Esselberg, president of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, will break it down for us. Four counts of conspiracy against the former president.
4: Good evening. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant, targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the US government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement who defended the US Capitol on January 6th are heroes. They are patriots, and they are the very best of us. They did not just defend a building or the people sheltering in it. They put their lives on the line to defend who we are as a country and as a people. They defended the very institutions and principles that define the United States. Since the attack on our Capitol, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment, and our investigation of other individuals continues. In this case, my office... Is-
1: that is the voice of Special Counsel Jack Smith in the case against the former President Donald Trump. Joining us on the phone line, my friend, President of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty and a legal scholar and somebody who's argued cases in front of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Rick Good Morning, Rick.
5: Morning, Steve. How are you?
1: Good. I wanted to get your your thoughts. I spent a lot of time last night after an event watching and trying to digest legal scholar, former prosecutors, I mean, legal experts. And I will say this and I and I'd love to hear what you have to say about what they said, but almost overwhelmingly from really both sides of the political aisle, including some pretty conservative big big time attorneys said the president's in some peril here. Do you agree? No.
5: I, well, let me put it this way. I don't think that the indictment is legally solid. And I could point you to any number of national legal scholars who would agree with me on that.
1: Let's let's narrow it down. Let's talk about some of those areas. OK, so the the
5: problem with this indictment and and and, you know, Steve, I, I say this as somebody who is. Most decidedly and publicly, not a fan of Donald Trump. I do not believe I'm conservative. I don't think he is. I don't think he should ever, ever be president again. And I have nothing good to say about his conduct conduct after the 2020 election. But when we're dealing with a criminal indictment, it's a different animal. We have to take a written statute and we have to ask ourselves okay, what are the elements of this crime? What are the things that uh, the defendant has to do to violate the statute and then ask ourselves if we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did each one of these things. And would making these things a crime raise constitutional problems? The difficulty with this indictment is that what he essentially is accused of doing is trying to persuade people to do things. He's trying to persuade state officials not to certify the election. He's trying to persuade uh, members of Congress to reject the results. He's trying to persuade the vice president that he has the power, um, uh, you know, not to certify the results. And, but he's doing it with bad arguments. He's doing with it with arguments that aren't true. And, the indictment itself, if you read it, it has to begin by saying, well, you know, he's got a right to challenge the election result. He he has a right to challenge the election result, even if the arguments that he makes are false. But somehow, Jack Smith believes, he crossed the line here, but in the indictment, he never really explains why. And the best thing that I can come up with is that... Uh, Smith is alleging that Trump's view was unreasonable, right? That he shouldn't have thought the things that he thought. That can't be a basis for a criminal prosecution. We can't have a situation where politicians and political leaders can be accused of a crime because someone subsequently decides that the arguments they made in an attempt to persuade others to do things weren't good arguments or arguments that nobody should
6: believe.
5: I think that that substantially undermines our First Amendment protection. And so if that doesn't work, then the argument has to be, well, Trump knew that what he was saying was false. But, you know, I, I read David French's, you know, column in the New York Times this morning. As did I. Yeah, and he seems to think that we should have a trial on this issue. We should have a trial on which... You know, the, the issue before the jury is whether Donald Trump really believed the things that he was saying. And how is that trial supposed to work? And what will accomplish if 12 people come to the conclusion that he didn't believe what he said? And, you know, half the country still believes that however mistakenly he did.
1: Well, that's I mean, political. I that's political ramifications. It. I'm talking about the legal side who put it politically. People well, well, can believe
5: what but they want to believe. But I think there are legal ramifications because because to do that, I mean, you think about that. That would mean that a radio talker like Steve Scafidi can say what he wants on the air, but is always at risk. That if he says the wrong thing after the fact, a jury will come to the conclusion that what he said was not true people told him it wasn't true and therefore he couldn't possibly believe it was true and therefore he
1: should be punished in some way but rick didn't he admit in, he it, in say the say document it. in the testimony that was was revealed in the document that he knew it wasn't true so therefore he yeah, continued think, the illusion
5: well i think that there's an out al- no i don't think so i think that there's an allegation that at one point he said something that uh co-conspirator number three i think that's Sidney Powell. Uh, said was crazy i mean Sidney powell was the release the kraken lawyer she was saying a lot of things that were crazy uh and and you know i don't think that that gets you to where you need to be which is essentially to prove that he knew that everything he was saying about the election was false that he subjectively believed and therefore had a corrupt intention that 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 this wasn't true, and I just don't see how you get there.
1: He's Rick I've Gotta take a break. Here. I want I want to get uh, some uh, extra questions after the break. You're you're listening to, of course, the W T w- w- G- M J now. <laughs> Stephen Sandy on this Wednesday edition. We're talking to Rick We've Got a couple minutes left with him. A lot of this questions, a lot of the questions about this have to do with proof, obviously, because we're talking about an indictment of a president. Sandy had a great point during the break.
2: Yeah, because I was following you along, Rick. And if I understand correctly, you've got to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. But if any of the witnesses or any further evidence comes out that former President Trump was lying, does that change this? Does does that give validity to this indictment then?
5: Well, the, so there's an interaction between this concern for freedom of speech and a question as to whether or not these particular statutes even criminalize the type of conduct that's at issue here, which is basically all speech activity. And so, for example, there's a provision in the law about, you know, depriving people of honest services. Well, the Supreme Court has said that in the context of the government, you've got to limit that to bribery or kickbacks. And the reason that you have to do that is that if you didn't, the statute would be vague and potentially overbroad, and this would chill the speech Of people who won't know whether or not if they make an argument or they urge a government official to do a particular thing that somebody might later conclude that they're lying and so therefore they won't speak at all and and there's a strong presumption under the First Amendment that the law should never have that effect and so if that's the case and you want to adopt as the Supreme Court has tended to do a narrowing construction of these criminal statutes has read them not to apply to as much as, you know, you might otherwise think. Then it may be that these statutes don't even apply to the conduct at issue here, which as I said before, is largely speech conduct, right? There's, there's no allegations here uh, that, that, you know, perjury was actually suborn. There's no allegation here that there were, You know, uh, ballot boxes were stuffed or ballots were burned or anything like that. And and so, you know, this becomes basically a case about the circumstances under which somebody can be charged with a crime because they made public arguments that were ultimately found to be untrue. And I think anybody that's strongly committed to the First Amendment should at least stop and pause about that. And think about what the implications of that will be, because as much as we may not like Donald Trump, and as I said before, I don't, the law, you know, works by analogy. And so the rules that we adopt now to apply to Donald Trump are going to apply in the future uh, when, you know, maybe the defendant will be somebody that, you know, we we you know are more favorably disposed to and the prosecutors are people that we are less favorably disposed got to leave it to. there rick
1: essenberg always appreciate your wisdom thanks for taking time to share with our audience all right take care it's wtmj now news opinions wisconsin
0: everything you need to know on the badger state and beyond now here's
1: your hosts sandy max and steve scafidi Indeed, that is the case. We are here on this Wednesday. We have about a half hour left, less than that, 20 minutes or so of show before we hand it off to the Milwaukee Brewers coverage that, of course, you'll find right here on their flagship station, WTMJ. But before we get to that, Sandy. Yes. little something that uh, we call Ask Us Anything. Any question for our game? We'll do our best to answer it. I've been stumped in the past. Somebody asked me a shoelace question once. I had no idea what they were talking about, so I couldn't answer that one. But generally, I have a thought, and I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Um so let's go to the phone lines. Dennis is calling from the south side. Hi, Dennis. Well, thanks for
6: taking my call, guys. Absolutely. I've been Absolutely.
1: trying to get through. Since this since
6: this story broke a couple, three weeks ago or whatever it was, uh, I've tried to get through our different shows to talk about it, and I found this is probably my best shot to get it on the air. All right. What's your One question? My question, to you guys, it has to do with this gentleman who <laughs> – I use that term loosely – who uh, bugged out uh, into North Korea,
1: okay? Travis King is his name. He's private second class.
6: Exactly, exactly, okay?
1: Anyway, from the very start, they were talking
6: about he was supposed to be at the airport to jump on an airplane to come back to be able to face charges uh, or be discharged, whatever it was. And my, my question is, that being the case, why wasn't he met at the jail as he was being released by MPs and whisked off to a military transport to get him back to the States? That's what the Army was supposed to be doing with this guy if they were going to be charging him. I mean, we've all watched JAG and NCIS and stuff like that, okay? CID, you know, is the Army equivalent to all that. I, it,
1: if they hadn't dropped the ball, this would never have been a story. Oh, absolutely. And you know, to answer your question, thanks for the call, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to ask it. This is one of those crazy stories where you can't stop somebody from essentially doing something they want to do. He willfully crossed the line. He was, he mingled in with a tourist group. Mm-hmm. They basically lost track of him and crossed the border. And, and I, I guess some people don't realize you go into North Korea, they don't play by the same rules or. The same playbook the rest of the
2: countries in the world play Yeah, you don't, you don't walk back over that not border easily. line.
1: Yeah, not without a lot of uh, diplomacy and, and the like and, and trades. But um, this Travis King, private second class, frankly, I haven't given him a second thought because he went across the border on his own for his own reasons. I I don't understand what the reasons are. I've heard some commentary from his mother who was trying uh, probably desperately to get her son back. But somebody dropped the ball, as the caller Dennis said. Something happened here, because it should have been a controlled handoff. That didn't happen. And he was able to, as I said, mix in with a, with a tourist group and disappear in North Korea. Bottom line, disappearing in North Korea, probably not a good idea for anybody, especially an American.
2: Well, you said you haven't given a second thought, and I have, because he uh, was in the news this morning uh, as the diplomacy seems to be moving forward with the United Nations command, um, but... Hearing that he's being interrogated doesn't make me feel good. Uh, bad decision. Bad decision. And I don't know what Mr. King is trying to avoid by coming, not coming back directly, but I feel like he probably went from out of the frying pan into the fire by making yeah. this choice. Uh, a couple texts said he deserter. Yeah. I mean, for lack of a better term, yes. Chris from
1: Appleton. A science question. Cosmos, sort of. Yeah. Well they ask you anything portion
2: of the show? My question is... This is that on the old National Bank talking text line. Absolutely, eight five five six one six one six twenty. If I was traveling at the speed of light, oh no, I've got a pen. I'm
1: writing it down. Here we go. You're traveling at the speed of light, which is very (laughs) fast, and turn my headlights on. Would I see them shining forward?
2: I feel like this is a great question for the summer slide that we hear about for a lot of students. (laughs) Right. I, if, you, if you have a teen or a tween at home that can uh, help with this word problem, I thought you were saying say if you turn your head, not your headlights, like what would happen? If,
1: <laughs> I'm going to guess no, but we're going to take a break and I'm going to see if I can find Is out. Is
2: that in your flying car that you've got your headlights well, stop and you're going Jetsons, at the speed of light?
1: Jetson's Jetsonsology stuff. As far I as I BAA can tell. I was at
2: last week and I did. I saw a three-wheeled driving sports car that turns into a plane called a Samson Switchblade. I would like one of those. It's very exciting to see that right. progress like that is being made. Any of you
1: smart cosmologists or uh, physics folks out there have an idea on the speed of light question, fire it off. I'll do some research during the break. Stephen Sandy, WTMJ. Oh, we, do know, we know now that Bruce and Charlie actually listens to the show. How about that? A little Jetsons music for you. Of course they do. I was a huge fan of that show. How could you not George think? Jetson, Judy, his wife.
4: Jane, right? his Jane, wife. Jane, his
1: wife. Who's got Ju- Judy? the daughter. Oh, you know why daughter. I said Judy? Because somebody upstairs said their, their um, girlfriend, in quotes, was named Judy. But Judy Jetson is the daughter. That's what it is, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, here's a, some trivia. My daughter Chrissy, I have called Judy almost her entire life for no reason whatsoever. I'm sure from, from- she really appreciates that. She does. It's our it's
2: our thing now. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. like a sweet nickname.
1: Yeah. Now. I rarely call her by her legal name, which is Christina, or by Chrissy. Judy.
2: <laughs> Isn't that weird? Do you ever do it like Cary Grant? Judy, Judy, Judy. Like that? <laughs> is that what you're looking for? Thank you. Yes, yeah. that's exactly Anyone
1: younger than like 50 has no idea what we're talking about. It's all about. right, Who's but it's Carrie still Grant?
2: entertaining.
1: Absolutely. All right. So Chris asked a very specific science question. I was sort of right, sort of not right. If I'm in a car, I'm turning my headlights on, I'm traveling at the speed of light, the headlights will work normally. If another car is ahead of you, you'll see the lights reflected in the at the rear end of that car because they're traveling at the same speed you are. So the headlights would light up that other car and you will see it normally. So it's kind of... Yes and no, in my world. I did my best to answer the question, though. Very good. All right, from the... Uh, oh, my goodness. Mm. Now we're getting Stephen Hawking-type questions. I'm not a,
2: I'm not a physicist. <laughs> it's a gateway now. Yeah, you started ooh. it.
1: Ooh! Uh, Colin says they would not illuminate the road as the speed would be equal to light. That's what I said, basically. They, if you had a car in front of it, you, you would see the light. If not, it would just be like you're driving in the dark. Okay. Did I answer that? Um... I forget, did the state transportation fund, this is from the 414, get the money back that was taken out years ago? Not really. Not really, no. And if you don't know, a lot of, a lot of the way government works is they like to raid other funds to get things done with this illusion they're going to pay it back sometimes, but that rarely happens, with some exceptions. But um, the bigger question for me on that would be, and I've, I've suggested this before, this is the way I would run government, state, local, federal, every year. For at least a week or two, every dollar you spend as a governmental entity mm-hmm. would have to be subject to review, analysis, efficiency, and if it's not worth spending the money, don't
2: spend it. It's called both accountability and accounting. Yes.
1: Yes. And they, it doesn't happen. That's why most of the time when you talk about big government, it's just layering on more expenses over time, which results in some of the problems we're facing as a country. Uh Texter reminds us you can't travel at the speed of light. So it's sort of a silly question. We can't. Yet. Yes. <laughs> uh Let's see. Tom from Bayview. You'll be stuck on an island. I have to make sure I read these before I start launching into it. You'll be stuck on an island. You have to choose a current co-worker lives on the island with you. Who would it be? Wow, that's a tough
2: question. Because he's looking at me. He's like, well, I'm not choosing her, but I don't I know how to choose, tell I'm, her. I'm not going to
1: choose a woman. I'm married, <laughs> first off. I mean, let's be real about that. What was it? Okay. So who who's the guy? Probably Bill Stead. He He's my buddy at work. Yeah. He's
2: very resourceful. Yeah, I'm much he's more resourceful than he is. Entertaining but and resourceful. Yeah. yeah. He's entertaining. Yeah. He's yeah. fun. I, I used to call this like, who would I want on my Armageddon team? Yeah. So put that team together. Yeah. yeah. Who you know? Who is? It's. I think I think you made a, a wise choice in
1: Eric. Yeah. I I didn't say it lightly. I I have a lot of respect for that dude. He's a smart guy. A lot of experience. He is resourceful. He is. Yeah. Can he start a fire, though? Because that's the big one. you got to be able to start a fire from nothing. If you don't master that one, you're not going to survive long. Because even on Desert Island, it gets cold at night. Trust me. But he likes to fish as well. He's outdoorsy. Yeah, we don't have hooks, though. So, I mean. I, again. You're going to have to craft a spear. Don't underestimate Eric Bills. You're going to have it. to He's- craft a spear and then stab the fish. I'm very... I love
2: that you're going to supervise all this. Is no, I'm, to, I'm <laughs> You just involved. want
1: someone that you can supervise. You toss that word res- resourceful out. I'm probably more resourceful than anybody at this station. Honestly, God, skills on and, and many multiple platforms. I don't doubt it. You're about to sell you me You think on a McCure is going to su- survive more than a few days out on a desert land?
2: The guy would be over in one night. He'd be crying like a baby. I know he wouldn't eat raw meat because we had the cannibal sandwiches back in December. And yeah, come he on. He did not. What
1: is that about? <laughs>
2: I don't know. All right, James joins us on the phone. Hi, James.
0: Yeah, how are you guys doing this morning?
1: We are wonderful. You talking, What's your question, James?
0: You were talking before about population and that in Milwaukee here. Uh, I got a. I got a. Uh, what I was going to say? A question for you. I feel that Milwaukee by the by the end of this decade or so will probably have one million people or more. And the reason why I feel that way is because the pop uh, the what do you want to call it? The the party that's in the, in uh, power right now, mm-hmm. with their open borders, and that's going to leave about a billion have us, have by the end of this decade or so have a billion people here. Interesting. And you're going to and I want want to know what your feeling is on that.
1: I appreciate the question, James. I'll say this: I, you know, as much as we talk about border policy, I've talked about border policy a lot. This country has suffered from a lack of consistent border policy. Whatever administration, whatever party has been in, in power. I don't agree with you that we're going to have open borders forever. I think there's going to be a tightening at some point. Obviously, political um, decisions that we make as voters will matter when it comes to how that story plays out. Um, whether we'll have a million people in Milwaukee. Well, if you look at the metro, we have like 1.3, 1.4 already. Talk about the city of Milwaukee. We've declined from the 700s to, I believe, 596. Honestly,
2: I just noticed that on the sign driving up from the south side a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and it used to be 6. I remember it was 6.12 for a long time. Now it's like 5.96. There's a lot of heavy lifting that has to happen between now and a million. Could we do it? Sure. I mean, the population has been sort of stagnant in this country, but we have recent immigrants. They have shown the tendency to have more children, so that will increase the population. Lots of moving pieces. I actually think the healthy number is probably where it used to be about 750,000. So that would be my take on that. We'll take a break. A little more conversation on Ask Us Anything, and then we'll get to the Brewers coverage coming up less than five minutes. That's all next. couple minutes before we head off to our Brewers coverage. Exciting Brewers coverage. There's, they, they're in the thick of it when I talk about the NL Central. So all these I'm Hoping games for are- a
2: second. In a row win.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So we had a question that um, you were going to post. Yeah,
2: the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. Put that in your phone. And from Paul says, Steve and Sandy, this weekend, my wife Kathy and I went to the high ground with our veteran motorcycle riders. Awesome memorials to our veterans. Have either of you visited the site yet? Yeah, Nielsville, Clark County, I believe. Yes. Uh,
1: I used to deer hunt there, and I probably will again in the future. Um, it is a wonderful tribute to the veterans. Uh, it's amazing. Flag's and the like. I haven't been there probably in five years. It's 155 acres. Yeah, it's big. It's
2: also got peop- someone on staff like all the time too, right? It is. The high ground is the largest manned veterans park in the country. Yeah. Another pride point for Wisconsin. So I haven't been there yet.
1: Yeah, it's uh, somebody Somebody wiser than me will tell you what highway it's on. Um, I think it's a county highway, county highway, not a state highway, but I'm, I could be wrong on that. Um, the cool thing I love about this is it's it's one more place where we honor and respect our veterans and the wars that we fought, the, the freedoms they protect. And it's such a great thing about this country that even in the – that's not a densely populated area, but it is high ground. You, you noticeably go up a hill there, and it stands out. It's awesome. Uh, and if you're in that part of the state, which is – uh, I think just north of Black River Falls, so you're talking 94, and then probably like 45 minutes or so north. I, again, I could have the, the, sure. the math wrong, but it's in that area. I would call that, the, what, the west
2: side of the state. If you go to thehighground.us, you can get all the info and maybe plan your trip. It's just four miles west of Nielsville. Yeah. Nealsville. Ooh. Now, looking ahead, tomorrow morning, we will be live from the Wisconsin State Fair.
1: One, One of the, the first people yeah. on the grounds. Yes, I'm thrilled about it, because I love the fair. I've had great experiences there. I'm gonna actually spend the afternoon with my wife Kathy on the grounds doing fun stuff. You're gonna go down the big slide together? No, you should. Well, we're holding gonna do, hands. I, we're gonna
2: do that on Friday. Yeah, we're not let's gonna be holding it. hands. <laughs> no, I, I meant you holding hands with your wife Kathy. me. Yeah. I don't with think me. she
1: likes the slide. But we love walking around and seeing all the sights. So that's our sure. schedule. We want to come. We want you to come and see us. Yes. So if you're on the grounds for the opening day of Wisconsin State Fair, stop and say hi. We're at the Fish Bowl, which is kind of by... Mm. Uh, Central Mall there, isn't it? Yeah, Central Mall's right out in front. We're just north of the Expo Center. We're going to have fun. Join us at the Wisconsin State Fair. Cannot wait to get out there tomorrow. Brewers baseball, my friends, is next. Go Brewers.